Hello. My name is Joe Hogan. Many of you know me as Epic Grades in various video games and social media. Welcome to Episode 6 of Geektitude, a geek culture podcast that celebrates the inner geek in all of us. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by the fabulous Geisha V. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing wonderful. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Uh, I know it's early, <laughs> but uh, I want to talk to you because you're uh, very big in to cosplay, and that's not something that we've covered so much on uh, my show. So I wanted to go right into the interview and ask you to tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. Uh, well, as, as you said, my name is Geisha V, and I'm a cosplayer. I do the costume play, which is what the word is derived from, costume plus play. So I'm one of the many people that you see at conventions or various um, entertainment events that dress in replica costumes, either store-bought or handmade, um, commissioned of various TV characters, comics, manga, anime, uh, movies, video games. Pretty much, if you can think of the concept and you can create it, that's pretty much, you wear it, it's cosplay. Um, like I said, various entertainment events, even just, you know, meeting up and gathering um, for any random reason is a reason <laughs> to cosplay. But we usually like to embody the characters that represent things that we ourselves admire or that we see within us. And it's a really great way to meet new people, learn skills, and just enjoy a fandom um, by physically embodying it. Very cool. Very cool. Now, what areas do you consider your geekitude to be very high? Oof, my gosh. Um, a lot, I think. <laughs> I mean, yeah, going like TV, comics, movies, video games. All right. If we break it down into like, I don't know small portions. I am a huge old school television geek, like not so much black and white Doctor Who, but I'm talking about further back, like Outer Limits, Twilight Zone, because oh, wow. my father was big on that. And he's a really big part of my geekdom. Like he was that person who gave me my first huge batch of comic books because all the guys at the job were like, oh, your daughter's into stuff like that? Like, we're going to give her, like, every comic book that they had. And he just sent it to me. So That's so cool. Yeah, so I was exposed to everything from, like, um, Vertical Comics, DC to Marvel to... I had, like, the first Static Shock, the first Blade. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, so it, it was a lot of really good stuff. The, um, what was it, the Legacy Virus um, collection for the X-Men, all that. So... Comics and, and anime, I think, are a huge portion. My father even exposed me to that, too. Like He was like, hey, here is Akira. Watch this. <laughs> um, Battle <laughs> Angel, watch that. Like Huge portion. So whatever he was into eventually like came to me, and that along came with the fact that like his generation grew up with those old-school TV shows, like I said, The Twilight Zone, Outer Limits. Um, I know I'm forgetting other ones, but like even Spy Flicks, like Man from U.N.C.L.E., which is funny because mm -hmm. now they came up with that new movie. So I right. want to see it just because. Because I'm like, right. oh, I know what that is. I'm still waiting for, like, Our Men Flint because I thought that series was hysterical. So maybe they might bring that to the big screen. Um, That's very cool. It's yeah. it's nice because we I, – I think a lot of people don't go back that far into pop culture when we talk about geekdom. And uh, it's nice to know that, you know, there are people out there that like stuff that – that is a little bit different, a little bit, um, 
unique that you know we can learn about and and talk about that's really cool yeah it's great because when i'm with people and my father's around and we start talking about like movie references and things of that nature it's like two different worlds between like me and my dad talking and then everybody else around they're like what the heck are they talking about (laughs) (laughs) but i bet more than than once those people that you've been talking about go go home and look up these things and go oh that's really neat oh yeah discovered a new fandom with that's really cool (laughs) Um, now, do you have any areas where you feel your geekitude is kind of low? Like, you feel like you would be a better geek if you knew about this certain thing? Um, you know what? For, like, a hot minute, I felt that way about Doctor Who because I didn't grow up really watching the British original, I guess, version of Doctor Who, the black and white. So uh-huh. when the new ones came out and everyone was on it, I was kind of like, I knew of the character, but I didn't know that world space. So I was, I was behind and I felt a little bit out of place because like everyone kept talking about it. I'm like, I, I don't know. I, I, I haven't really watched the show. So right. my friend, um, Little Heaven, she usually watches TV just like I do, like to have it in the background while we're crafting or whatever. So. I got caught up in like the first two to three seasons of the latest Doctor Who because she was like, you must watch this. Um, so I, I have more knowledge now. And I think it's a really cool, it's a really cool show. They have a lot of good stuff going on. I, I really wish they would have like a female actress that I didn't want to have be abducted by aliens and dropped off the planet. But eventually, you know, <laughs> maybe we'll, we'll have some hope there. But yeah, I think that yeah. one in first person shooters, um, that are military based. Like I'm not really big on them. I'm I'm like red faction days on PS2. Like I like the split screen multiplayer where the person is mm-hmm. sitting next to you. So I know a lot of the FPSs now are like more online multiplayer. So I'm right. not I'm not well versed. I know of them, but I'm like I'm not really into them. Yeah, I I mentioned on my uh, my last show that I got into the Overwatch beta. So I'm I'm trying Blizzard's new first-person shooter. And it's something that I have very little familiarity with. I'm not a first-person shooter player at all. And it shows. <laughs> because I think at this point I can say I'm a pretty decent gamer in general. But I... I think it's a combination of of aging out of the of the fast reflexes that it requires, <laughs> and and just not having that kind of um, body memory. But uh, yeah, that's that's an area of low geekitude for me. <laughs> so, what are you working on right now? Any projects? Anything fun going on for you? Oh uh, well, right now I'm preparing for WinterCon. I've heard so much about it, and I haven't attended yet. So I'm looking really forward uh, to going this year and seeing like what that con has to offer and the experiences and location and, and the folks who attend. Um, I'm not. I don't plan on making any new costume for it, so I'm probably going to bring back one of the ones I previously wore, but just haven't worn that often. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to you know always like bringing out the old, making it new again. As far as, like, future projects, I do have some things planned for next year. If all goes well, um, then people will definitely find out about it. I like to keep things on the hush-hush until, like, it's close to debut time. So, uh, but other than that, I also have my YouTube channel. I've had it for a few years now, but I haven't really added a lot of content on it. Uh, So now that I'm getting more into the... um, online media aspect as far as like videos and comedy skits and stuff like that. I want to bring more of the cosplay behind the scenes and Mm -hmm. use my video, my YouTube channel to give people like a 
up close and personal view of real cosplayers, what we really do, not the over-dramatized, unless I'm doing something, you know, comical on purpose, um, mm-hmm. so that people have a, a better view of what cosplay is, because I think a lot of the mainstream media, unfortunately, what usually happens is they get their hands on it, and then they distort it into what they want for ratings, and unfortunately that does not give the general community an idea of what cosplay and cosplayers really are. Right, and yeah, that's a problem that that has kind of evolved over the years, where it's like, you know, geeks in general had that problem, and then as they became more mainstream, the um, more niche areas seem to have that problem now, where media is kind of like misrepresenting or underrepresenting what what those people care about. So, yeah, I'm glad that uh, you're willing to put yourself out there and, and educate people and that kind of stuff. Yeah, I'm, I was lucky this year. I, I was able to do a video with Bustle.com, and they did a cosplay documentary about me. And I pulled in, you know, my friends and everything and was like, hey, this is a great opportunity to show folks, you know, what we do from a more realistic standpoint and explain mm-hmm. to folks, you know, um, we're human, we go through stuff, we've had online harassment, how to deal with that, um, the issues of like, you know, being a cosplayer of color was a, a big thing. It's always been a big thing, but it was like an even bigger thing this year with everything going on in the media and people making like hate memes and things of that nature. So I, I really wanted to show the world in general that, you know, we are real people, we do have feelings, and everyone can cosplay. You don't have to be a supermodel. This isn't about, you know, um, a, a mainstream concept of beauty. This is a fandom. It's a geekdom. This is, this is where it comes from, the roots of cosplay, so that it should be reminded and respected and remembered because... If you ask a regular person right now, they might think that, you know, in order to cosplay, you have to be this Maxim magazine model. And it's like, no, you can just be you. And there's nothing wrong with that. So I really wanted to stress it in that video. That's very cool. And it is a wonderful video. And I'll try and put it into the show notes so that uh, if people want to look, give that a look, um, they can. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk to me real quick about WinterCon. Where is it and what is it and when is it going? Um, okay, let me look that up, actually, for the exact location. Because I believe it's actually in Queens. It's either in Queens or Long Island City. So let me get the exact on that. It's, yeah, it's the Resorts World Casino and Aqueduct Racetrack, New York City, 11000 Rockaway Boulevard, New York, New York. That sounds like Queens. <laughs> um, <laughs> So it's some it's it's in New York. It's in the in New York area and it's supposed to be like the New York Comic and Sci-Fi Expo, so it'll have more of that spin to it as opposed to like anime and, and things of that nature. So gotcha. um it's two days. It's a Saturday and Sunday. I don't know if I'm gonna go both days. We'll see what happens time wise and so but if I do go both days, I think I have a particular theme of what I'm going to dress as. I'll do a cute version of one thing and then the next day I'm going to do a more dramatic uh, sinister version of the same character if, if I go both days. So. <laughs> That's kind of cool. It's neat that you, you change it up and kind of theme it over a weekend. Do you find that people notice that if they see you both days? That they, oh, yesterday you were this and now this? Yeah, when if people follow my work and then they, they run into me twice over that particular convention weekend, um, they they'll pick up on it and be like, oh, okay. Because sometimes I, I do original characters also. 
And if I was a mainstream character the first day and the next day I'm, I'm one of my original characters, a lot of times people think that my characters come from like World of Warcraft or some kind of Guild Wars. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I'm a Guild Wars 2 player myself, so I had to go through the character concept and see like, okay, why do they think I'm this character? Oh, that's why. Like a major facial feature or ears or something of the, of the like. So I was like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. I, I understand. But um, generally speaking, like, I I just go with, like, whatever I want to wear. If, if a theme works throughout the weekend, it, it's very coincidental. But for this particular one, um, because I already have these two costumes and they are actually connected to each other, this is, this is the, the one reason why this theme is going to work. <laughs> very nice. Very nice. Um, what is your favorite fandom? Do you have something that you kind of high, hold high above everything else. Oh yeah, but even with that, it's like split into like three different things. Mm-hmm. Um if I don't go into the whole like anime aspect cuz there's just so much there. Um <laughs> the rabbit hole that we don't want to go down. <laughs> oh, or or that we do it we just don't have enough time. Like I'll Exactly. I'll do I'll do a brief snippet on on the anime. For me, I really like a lot of the um comedic characters like Magi and uh, I'm, I'm obsessed with food anime right now so I even took it back and started to rewatch Bento because it's great. It was way before Food Wars and if you watch it you'll see kind of a lot of the aspects of the ridiculousness that Food Wars has uh, or for those who watch it in Japanese, Shugeki no Suma um, it's, they're both great. So for anime right now, that's my guilty pleasure. Plus anime food always looks delicious for some reason. I don't <laughs> know why. I can't watch Food Wars without having dinner. Like I won't eat until I watch the anime and then I will eat. Cause otherwise you're just gonna be left hungry and wanting. Um, but other than that, my, my other, um, like major fandoms are the Portal series. Mm-hmm. I'm absolutely obsessed with Portal, anything Portal-related. GLaDOS is, like, my spirit animal. I adore <laughs> her. I adore the whole history and concept of the game, all the hidden, like, Easter eggs. And if I see anything Portal-related, like, if someone puts something Portal-related, I will find it. Even if uh-huh. it's the smallest thing, I will point it out to everyone, like, oh, my God, there's a piece of cake in the vending machine in Fallout 4. Like... <laughs> <laughs> it is real. I'm also big like that about the X Files. I think that was like my first teen, serious teen fandom and like fangirl because I love David Duchovny. I was fortunate enough to be able to see him like two years ago, and we had like the most awesome moment of sharing just mutual disdain for the staff that was working with him with the <laughs> autograph booth. It was just, it was just hilarious. But um, yeah, X Files live or die forever. I, I will believe, I can't wait for the sixth episode, I think, miniseries that's coming out. Um, I was going to say, you must be really looking forward oh to that. Oh my goodness, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm one of those fans that will watch them in anything that's not even X-File related. So, I watched Californication. He was hilarious. I watched The Fall with Gillian Anderson. That series is wonderful. It's creepy, but it's so good. And I'm, I'm also a big Firefly fan, fan as well. So, you know, I'm the sucker that will click on that clickbait link talking about how Firefly is coming back. It doesn't matter how many false links there are. I will still <laughs> click with hope that they Because come back. one day it will be true. It yes, will be true. Yes. And I've met a few of the people from there too. Like it's it's been really, really awesome. Gina Torres, she she is the embodiment of an Amazonian goddess in all like their mascara. 
I swear that's where she comes from because she is amazing, <laughs> talented. She stands like six foot seven as far as I'm concerned. She's huge. And she gives the world's best hugs. Like, I'm, I'm, I just squee every time I meet her. She's just awesome. That's phenomenal. That's <laughs> awesome. Um, and uh, lastly, do you have any guilty pleasures, things that you don't always uh, immediately admit to uh, liking in your fandoms or your geekitude? Um, you know, I, I really have not been able to actually pinpoint a, a true guilty pleasure because I... I'm not ashamed of liking anything that I like. It used to be a time where when people would ask that kind of question, the answer would be that they're a geek in general. And right. now that being a geek has now been accepted, I guess, in the mainstream media, it, it's no longer a guilty pleasure. So it's like, I like everything and I'm not ashamed of any of it. And that's awesome. That's awesome. And it's great that we can be in that place now, you know, mm-hmm. very, very cool that we can kind of express what we truly love. <laughs> it's awesome. nice. Well, again, thank you for being here. I'm I'm excited to talk more about cosplay with you. Um, but we're gonna move on to what we did that was geeky this week. Um, yesterday, I I've had a very very busy weekend, so or week in general, mm-hmm. and uh, and so I didn't get a lot of geek in this week. But um, my husband and I did watch the first three episodes of Jessica Jones last night. Oh. I don't know if you've gotten a chance to look at that. No, I've been on the other side. I've been watching um, The Flash, actually. Oh, nice, nice, nice. Yeah, we're a little bit behind on Flash and Arrow. Um, we both work considerably far away from where we live, uh-huh. and so we have a, a little place closer to where we work, and because we keep that second place we don't have a lot of like we don't have cable there we don't have any of our shows recording there or anything so um we've spent a lot of time out there this week and so we just missed catching up on all of our favorite shows so we're a little bit behind on that but when jessica jones came out last night i was like i think we should watch this (laughs) i think we should let's just get into it and see and it's really good it's very dark it's very um film noir in in some ways okay um very, it's very cool. I'm, it's disturbing. the The whole concept behind the villain, the the villains of this character that can kind of control people's minds, and you have no way of controlling yourself when you're under his control. So there's some very dark, creepy themes going on. But I think they're treating it very respectfully. They're not making, they're not dismissing how invasive that is mm-hmm. and how traumatic that is so i'm i'm interested to see where they go because it's not light and fluffy fair at all oh okay that's completely different than what i was expecting actually i that's kind of reminding me now a little bit about the the daredevil on netflix how they took that to like the grittiness so i appreciate it actually yeah i i do i think there's a lot of themes that people don't necessarily want to pull from it Mm -hmm. but are gonna have to and i think that's a it's a good thing wow cool and yesterday there was also a uh, beer festival out here in Palm Springs, oh. and it was very cool. You got like 10 drink tickets in your little cup, and you'd go over to the different vendors, and, uh-huh. and they'd pour you a, you know their artisanal beers, and it was great. There was a uh, Coco Mole beer oh. that was phenomenal. It was spicy. You could taste the chocolate. It was wow. amazing. So... It was just kind of a nice day of drinking with friends and hanging out and 
very Oktoberfesty. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> How about you? What have you been doing this week that's geeky? Okay, for me, I've been doing a lot of like cosplay advocacy uh, work, I guess you could say, because I've been going on between YouTube and various forums on Facebook because there was a meme that had been released um, this week, unfortunately, and the meme was of a group of uh, African-American girls, and they were wonderfully dressed up in great Dragon Ball Z costumes. Like, you can easily tell which characters they were, and everything was fine. Someone took the photo and turned it into a very racist meme. Well, that's terrible. It's extremely terrible. And what's worse is that these girls, they're, they're young women, and... You know, no one deserves to be harassed because they cosplay. And it's right. just, it just brought up more of the current, um, like, disrespect and misogyny that mm-hmm. has been going on lately within the community. And right. it brought up, it, it basically, it's caused a lot of people to lose friendships because you, you just can't sit there and be friends with someone who is willing to laugh or find anything um, the least bit humorous in something that disrespects a group of people who are just enjoying being themselves in any respect. And it causes Absolutely. people to, to see that, and then they don't want to cosplay. Like, they, they just don't. They feel like, like, well, since I don't have the same skin tone as the character, then I can't do it. And that's mm. totally going against what the community is for, what the fandom is even for. So I spend a lot of time talking in many forums, encouraging people, women, men, you know, of all, all creeds, to just go out there cosplay, don't let this meme affect you in the manner, because that's how the trolls win, basically. Trolls will right. always be hungry, they will always be trying to come out from under their bridge, but if you give them the satisfaction that you will literally change your life for them, it's not going to benefit anybody. It, they're still going to troll. Like, whether or not right. you cosplay, they're still going to do what they're going to do. But if you right. continue to cosplay, it will teach them the fact that they don't have that control over you. That the anonymity that they have behind a computer will not change your life because you will take control and do what you feel makes you feel good. And if that's cosplaying, then go out there and be the best version of whatever the heck you want. Like that that's the part that changes the world for me. And I've been trying to encourage that flow and get people to do, you know, what they love despite because I receive, you know, they're thirsty haters as the as the kids say mm-hmm. nowadays and you just have to push beyond that like it does hurt so if people have a nice supportive system that will help i will definitely tell people like it is not a fun feeling when you go online and see because i got turned into a negative meme that was also had racist comments too so i totally understand what that feels like and it's it's hard it's a real hard hit so for those girls i commend them for their efforts they look awesome and i hope that everyone sees the other great pictures that they had in their Dragon Ball Z set. And then also just go out and, and look at other uh, people of color cosplayers. POC is like the acronym now. Check them out. We do exist. And, you know, diversify your cosplay portfolio. And I say this to cosplayers making friends, to cosplay photographers. That would help too. <laughs> like, mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. go out there and, and let the world know that this is a world. Like, it's not one particular one one or the other, like everyone does this. So go out and embrace that fact because it, it only enriches the community and enriches the people around you too. Well, it's, it's very cool that you're, you're getting that word out there because I don't feel like there's enough people who are 
brave enough to stand up for for what they believe in. And I think that that's something that's seriously lacking in the geek community right now is, you know, I, I often refer to us as the the last bastion of um, sexism, racism, and homophobia. Mm-hmm. And it's it's unfortunate because everybody should be able to participate in what they love. Mm-hmm. And and I think you know you're you're seeing it a lot in your area. I know I see a lot of it in video games, playing online. Um, it's it's just unfortunate. And and so I I really really appreciate that you're out there, kind of encouraging the positive which we need more of. Yeah, because I just think of, like, all... You know, I'm I'm an adult, but I think of all the young kids that are coming into this, mm-hmm. and even older people, because there's also ageism, too. You know, like, oh, you're too old to cosplay. Yeah, okay. Right, right. <laughs> but I think of, of the young kids because, as adults, like, we've gone through life, and we kind of have a thick skin, you know, to some degree. But a 13-year-old or a 7-year-old, you know, or even, like, you know, a 17-year-old person, if they're going into this and they see that, that's drastically going to affect how they take anything. If they don't see, you know, I'm, I'm big on, on diversity and everything. If they don't see doctors being represented in TV that's of, of various minorities, then they think that they can't do that. If they don't see, mm-hmm. you know, heroes or comic uh, characters or anime, you know, all those different things. If they don't see people who at least look like them in some kind of way, have something that they can relate to, then that really mm-hmm. affects them growing up. And especially if people who look like them are being treated negatively, that has a huge uh, effect on whether or not they're going to pursue anything in that direction. And, you know, the world will lose out on wonderful artists just because we're limiting um, the next generation on how we treat others and how we treat ourselves with or without respect. And I think that's such a huge thing. And in the video game society, yeah, I totally... <laughs> Playing, you know, I, I, I watch people play Smite. I, I don't play Smite because the um, the online uh, nonsense that a lot of the people do when they have the mic, I just, I couldn't take it anymore. I was like, you know what? People, trolls have ruined this for me. I'm just going to cosplay the characters. Like, that's how I'm going to express my appreciation for the game. I, I right. can't. And I would not want to have a child playing this game because... They really need to crack down more on on what people say online in general as far as these video games because mm-hmm. kids play them. Even if it's not a kid game, like I understand, but be a decent human being. It's not that difficult. Play your game. If you're not playing well, take a break. But don't throw a whole bunch of uh, obscenities, you know, and vulgarities on the mic because you're unhappy. That's not going to help anybody. No, no, and I see it the other way too. I've had. Um... I've been on winning teams and and the person will come over the the microphone and say, "Yeah, let's, you know, get those faggots." And it's like, "Excuse wow. me. Um not appropriate. No. Not appropriate at all." And um and I think I think it's just so part of the culture at some point mm-hmm. that they don't even think about it. It's not even it's just unconscious, which yeah. is is a whole a whole nother level of problem because exactly. You know, it's bad enough if you're doing it on purpose, but if it's just you're not even thinking about it, mm-hmm. that's you know a whole different problem. Yeah. Any other any other geeky stuff that's been going on for you this week? Uh, let me see other geeky stuff. Uh, I've I've reaffirmed my love of lip sync. Uh, I ha- oh nice. <laughs> I have to go and watch this TV show called lip sync battle it's on spike tv i i recently discovered it because terry cruz 
had done uh, the lip sync, the lip sync of that song that he plays in White Chicks in the car. Uh-huh. He's hilarious. So he was doing that, and he's like, he's so serious about it. He goes all in. And then last night I had found Jason Gordon Lovett, who is definitely a geek to the end. I have yes. so much more love for him because he did Janet Jackson's Rhythm Nation. I mean, he had the backup dancers. He did the full-on makeup. He had the ponytail, everything. And I was like, wow, that <laughs> is wonderful for so many reasons. And, like, LL Cool J is one of the hosts, and he was singing along with it. Like, he was getting in it completely, too. So I'm like, that's great. I, I love that type of stuff. So more, I'm getting more into, like, watching um, the K-pop videos, the J-Rec videos, and mm-hmm. just, like, absorbing more of that. Because I, I see that that's a, a really good aspect to express in, um, in other venues. Because I'm, I'm all mm-hmm. about blending everything together. So I've got that. And I'm, I'm also going to cosmetology school. So I'm, I'm getting into... Um, combining my skills there into other bastions of, of costumey stuff and giving cosplayers advice. So I think my next step is going to be um, making videos geared towards those concepts because I get a lot I get a lot of questions on those things. So it's right. like, okay, how can you do like a closet quote unquote cosplay? And yesterday um, I was hanging with my friends and I had like a sailor one of the Sailor Moon dresses that everyone rocks mm-hmm. now. So I had on the Sailor Pluto version, and I was like, okay, how can I turn this into, like, a casual closet cosplay kind of thing? Um, so I just did a mashup. I think one of my friends was like, oh, you look like Project Echo, because I had on this um, really nice Auburn wig. So I was like, okay, we'll do a Project Echo Sailor Pluto mashup. So I had the dress, I had the wig, I did my makeup, and I had taken a picture, like, I have a, a piece of toast, and I'm running through because that's, like, one of the common, like, everyday anime scenes. So I'm like, okay, I think I'm going to continue to do, like, cutesy things like that just to lighten up the week for everybody because you see so much stuff going on in your feed, and it's like, you need some humor. So I'm going to try to be more active in being one of those people that add more humor and positivity to your day. Like, here's a photo of me doing something completely ridiculous. Enjoy. So, that's awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Very, very cool. Thanks. Well, yeah, the, the the news was a little bit uh, dark this week. There's just been lots of stuff going on in the world. Uh, not a lot of geek news, but there there were a few things that I think we pulled out to discuss. Um, you go to a lot of conventions, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I don't know if you've ever been to a Wizard World convention. Oh, I have. I have. Um, in fact, <laughs> I've been to three. I did Wizard World Philly in 2012. I also did Wizard World Philly in 2013, where I actually won uh, Best Female Superhero for my uh, George Perez Starfire cosplay. Oh, very cool. That was my, my first, like, official cosplay award, Cosmo Award. And then I actually won again um, in Wizard World New York when they came here in 2013. Different set of judges, and I won a costume, uh, Best Female Costume for that competition as well. So I have a special love for Wizard World. That's very cool. Well, apparently they're starting a loyalty program, um, which is going to give their members like access to additional things when they go. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really cool because I go to, um, I've been going to San Diego Comic-Con for decades. Awesome. And I think as time goes on, they kind of, spend less and less time on us old timers mm-hmm. who have been going and, and loyal and and I think it's cool that Wizard uh Wizard World is you know, considering they understand how important it is to have that 
loyalty, and so they're trying to reward it. It looks like they'll have additional um, photo opportunities, autograph oh, sessions with people. Okay. Alright. So I think that's kind of a, that's kind of neat, and and I think with com, con culture as it is, mm-hmm. the more that they can start doing stuff like that, I think the the, the bigger communities they're gonna they're gonna build. I will say this um, for Wizard World in comparison to a lot of the other conventions, they are very good about their celebrity photo ops. Whatever um, company they use to handle that, they're very cordial. They do things on time. They don't end things early, and that's a problem I had with New York Comic Con because they ended the uh, photo shoot for David Duchovny 15 mm-hmm. minutes earlier than they were supposed to, and it robbed a lot of people of the opportunity who were standing in line for hours, mind you, to have right, that right. picture. Um, they couldn't get it. They, they were like, oh, well, we ended it, so now you have to pay $220 to have a photo with both David and Jillian. And I'm like, that's messed up for the fans who've been waiting here, you know, but Wizard World, I I have to truly say I have never had an issue, and knock on wood, I hope I don't ever have an issue um, <laughs> with the photo ops or the autographs. I will say this one added thing though for Wizard World, the company. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel that last year though, marketing wise or or whatever department handled this, they did kind of mess up for the old school folks because they they actually increased the price of a community table for like the artist Allied or whatever charity organizations that had been there for ages, they jacked up the price to like $600 a table. Oh, wow. Yeah. And one of the, one of the people that I know that go to the Philly one, like they're part of a, um, one of the charity cosplay organizations there. He was extremely upset and he was boycotting wizard world because of that. And he was like, Hey, you know, we, we've helped you get your fan base here. And a lot mm-hmm. of people come to support, you know, these various charity organizations. So they, they did feel like it was a real slap in the face to them. So uh, one of the articles I read this year was that they had actually lost quite a bit in revenue. I think like a million dollars or something to that effect that they could see. Oh, wow. And I feel that that was because of that, because this wasn't just for Philadelphia. It was across the board because it was Wizard World, the company in general, that had done right. the switch. So I think they realized how important us old school old timers are and mm-hmm. to kind of get people to come back, which is a smart thing to do if they have this revenue um, program with like the points system to make things more uh, accommodating and, and to get more features, then that's a wise decision because a lot of people were very upset and this might actually help them get those people back. Well, that's good. It, it's impressive that people, you know, spoke with their wallets because we are, we're always encouraged speak with your wallet, speak mm-hmm. with it. But sometimes you just don't feel like it's making much of a difference. Exactly. But it sounds like this is definitely one time where it was effective. Yeah. So that's really that's really exciting. <laughs> Last week on my show, I talked about how uh, George Romero's Empire of the Dead comic book was bought by AMC. The rights were bought, mm-hmm. and I kind of theorized that they were doing it to kind of keep out the competition or to have something on the side when Walking Dead was done. Mm-hmm. And apparently I was very wrong. It is going into production and AMC is going to have a third zombie TV series. Well, I guess if they see there is a demographic that's active and willing to spend money on it, why not, right? I mean, that's how most of the networks are going right now. Absolutely, absolutely. My my biggest concern, though, is it's going to be zombie overload for some people. Oh, yeah, I, and- I can see that being a thing. You know, I don't I don't know that that will ever be a problem for me. 
<laughs> I'm a huge zombie fan, but um, but I can see I've already heard some people go really another AMC zombie show, but you know I guess if it works, you know. I think if they didn't have what was it the um, that second show they have now from The Walking Dead, like the prequel or something like that. Fear yeah, if you're the, the Walking, Walking Dead. Dead. If they didn't do that, and then they just had like a George Romero version uh, of of the zombie universe, then I think less people would have an issue. But when you start taking the same show and then breaking off pieces to make more of the, what would be considered the same thing, even if it's technically not, the general public is still going to be like, like you said, like oh, another zombie thing. Because right. even if it's not AMC zombies have been more of a staple now in general pop culture, I think, than they ever have been, which is yeah, kind definitely. of funny because the entire concept of zombies and, and, and the zombie universe was supposed to be social commentary about humanity right. and how it's overconsumption and, you know, we're just eating ourselves as a whole. So <laughs> to see that, <laughs> you know, in Exodus is kind of like wearing a Che Rivera shirt because it's kind of like contradictory. Like you're, you're kind of doing what the person doesn't want you to do. But yeah, exactly. It's still happening. It is, it is, it is very, there, there is a, a very heavy irony behind uh, zombie culture right now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and it's funny because that's how I've, I've sold zombie media to a lot of um, my friends and colleagues is, you know, Hey, this is, this is about good zombie fiction should be about social commentary. Yes. It should be making a point. Exactly. And if it's just kind of, you know, not, not that basic horror is not a fun thing that we should be allowed to have, but you know, there's, there's not a lot of diversity in, in that um, type of creature mm-hmm. to begin with. You know, it, it, there's only so many scares you're going to get mm-hmm. out of a slow moving corpse but if you if you pair that with something that kind of makes you think a little bit Mm -hmm. and you get the fun scares then then you've got something yeah i think that's why i appreciated um 28 days later and Mm -hmm. uh 28 days the the original especially the original because there was a lot of social commentary in that even with like the casting of the zombies themselves and the predicaments that they were in so right. I highly appreciated all of those. They weren't even like Easter eggs. It's just like if you were if you're up to date on common, you know, common issues within society and you watch the film and you look into it, it's like, oh, that's where they were going with that. That's a good thing. Like and having it in that kind of world space makes you think because it's like the extreme reactions to certain things that normally right. if we look at it as an everyday, it's like, oh, well, this kind of issue isn't that big of a deal. And it's like, oh, well, wait. I can see where you're going there. You know, it's in a horror genre. And I guess it's like something that everyone can kind of come together and enjoy as a whole, like a, a neutral platform, I think. Right. In general, zombies are freaking scary. Like, it, it, I refuse to believe that anyone would be like, oh, this is not a problem. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, um, even with the World War Z movie, like, I understand a lot of people are like, this is not the book. And I'm like, okay. Take it as Brad Pitt's character is just so happens to have read the book, and that's what the story is about. A person who actually watched zombie movies and read the zombie survival guide. If you think exactly. it like that, then it's less of a like this is not what I was expecting kind of thing. But right, when I I've heard rumblings that I know they're they're making a sequel of World War Z, mm-hmm. and because they've now found a, a 
you know, spoiler alert, um, now that they've found a cure in the first movie, or, or at least a, a possible solution, mm-hmm. that the second one might be a little bit more of what was in the book, where they're going back and talking to these people who survived, uh, because the war has happened, as opposed to is happening. Okay, I see. So, you know, it may, it may end up going that way, or they just might make another fun, <laughs> you know, one of the two. Yeah. Um, the last little article we have here is kind of just a comment on how Marvel has been trying very hard and in many ways being successful at diversifying their character base. Ah, yes, true. So, yeah, so they're trying to make sure that more people have representation in their comics. And for the most part, they've they've been having positive feedback. That's good. Yeah, I, I've been seeing that in the different links and like looking at their, um, their Marvel wiki and the latest titles that they're coming up with. Like, I still give them credit for having, like, from what I understand, the first um, same-sex wedding within a comic series, like, as far as, mm-hmm. like, mainstream goes. <clears throat> because I was mad at DC for not allowing Batwoman to get married to her partner. I felt right. that that was a big jip to most of the fans. And if what I read correctly actually occurred, the original writers and team for that comic, like, left after the whole, like issue because Mm -hmm. they're like why is it wrong for this person to get married like what's the thing and they're like oh no we their their official response was something in relation to like they just didn't feel that she should be married and like well i don't understand why not like batman has named her and he's been with her type of situation i mean at the end of the day even talia al ghul if you really want to say is like his main um partner i know most people would say like selena kyle but he actually has a child whether through natural or unnatural means he had one mm-hmm. with talia so like even he has his kind of set baby mama kind of deal right right absolutely and uh and yeah i was very happy that marvel finally you know finally married off north star i think it mm-hmm. was it was a nice issue it was um and and it's 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 interesting to watch the um kind of the evolution over time where, you know, which books are willing to kind of push the limits. And and I, I understand that from a business position, it's scary to take risks like this because there's this idea that you're going to lose your fan base. I think it's a ridiculous idea. Mm-hmm. Especially but since I, the fan base has evolved. Like, they're not... that. That's my one problem with them. Like, I understand from exactly what you're saying from a marketing standpoint, but mm-hmm. if the company doesn't factor in that a large portion of their fan, pay, fan base is different than it was in, like, 1950, then that's bad business because you're you're leaving out a whole section of revenue that you can have. Yeah, it's a it's a naive concept. It's it you're not doing your research, you're not looking at your population and you're too worried about losing the people that like I mean, I I tend to live my life that if you don't like you know, my diversity, then you don't have to be my friend or in my social group. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's just kind of and so it's kind of like if you're if you're worried about losing the people that are going to have a problem with this, maybe you shouldn't exactly be worried about that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so it's good to see that that's happening, and I know I know DC to a a smaller extent is kind of trying this, but they they are a little bit behind. I think uh, Marvel, who's making a full on push, they're which... a lot behind Marvel. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I, basically, long story short, on the X Men, they literally are the social commentary comic. Like right. I've always viewed 
everything that they do in there is it it's the Marvel version of zombies, like in a way, because as far as like expressing social issues through you know a different means to communicate so like I've, I've always appreciated that the whole mutant concept and even mm-hmm. when they had like the civil war that was also like a really really nice not nice to say like i don't want my characters fighting themselves of course but right the right fact that they use that and what they they did with the social commentary there actually was so moving Mm-hmm. You know, and I wasn't a really big Captain America fan because I just wasn't really into the, like, any kind of, like, Boy Scout character. I'm just like, eh, there's no real depth. And at the time, right. there there wasn't really any depth to the character when I first picked up a, a Captain America comic. Now, of course, fans will disagree, but in comparison to a lot of the other characters, it wasn't that um, intriguing to me. Once the Civil War happened, though, I appreciated the, the way they wrote him the scenarios, mm-hmm. and I was like, okay, I actually felt something, you know, when everything hit its climactic um, end. So I think the cast of characters that they have, because they were so diverse, because they all come from places where people can relate, you know, um, Marvel has been very good in what they do. For DC, though, I know, I think it was like back in like the 60s or 70s, they kind of sort of tried to make a diverse cast, and it was called almost kind of like the um, the minority DC lineup, but mm-hmm. a lot of what they ended up doing with the creation, quote-unquote, of these characters was just making a minority version of a character that was already there. And, right. you know, I understand it's like a catch-22. It's like, well, well they, they had characters, but, you know, we just had to make it off of a template. And it's like... Well, you can do that, or you could try to be more original. And I know um, with a lot of the comic artists that I, I associate with, they are pushing that. They're like, you know what? Make original concept characters of color, because that is appreciated almost more than making the minority version of whatever. So with a lot of uh, the new up-and-coming comics, I, I would hope that they do that. Because mm-hmm. it opens the door for new storylines, new concepts, new ideas, new characters, new villains. Like, there's so much that they can do if they do that as opposed to following from a standard template. And it would be less offensive to a lot of people I know if they did that. And um, it, it's almost, I'd say, a more preferred route of going with it. So my advice to DC would be, like, kind of come up with new story angles and storylines and, and making more... Um, positive characters of color within their worlds, their world space. Cause right now it's yeah. And in the comparison to politics, DC is losing though. I'll give it yeah. to them on their animated films. Their animated films are on point. Their live action right. needs some catching up to do. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, no, I, I agree on all levels. I agree on all levels. I think, I think they're a little behind the times and, and hopefully they, they get their act together and, and kind of catch up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I think it's about time to talk about why we are here today, because I know very little about cosplay. I I do enjoy taking pictures with people at Comic-Con, and uh, I, have, I have friends that are very big on, on posting pictures of all the very creative and wonderful uh, cosplay that we see when we go to conventions, but actually getting involved in it or getting into it, I would have no idea where to begin. So... <laughs> Uh, since you are a, a cosplay guru, uh, where <laughs> would somebody you. like me get started? Well, um, I'd say start from the same point that everybody starts when they're creating something artistically. Um, just 
pick a character or pick uh, a concept that inspires you uh, first. You can pick either a hero or a villain or a background character. Like pick pick a fandom that you like, right? And mm-hmm. if it has a character that you would like to actually physically be. <laughs> Um, start from there. So, like, uh, we could just give a, a perfect example. Like, what's a what's a fandom with characters that you would actually like to to be one day, or you really admire? Well, I am a, I am a huge X Men fan. I, I very much love the X Men. It's it's all, I think that was what drew drew me into comic book culture to begin with. So that would be an area that I would be interested in finding. Um, I think a cosplay into. Okay, perfect. They've got Ace. Freaking smorgasbord of characters to choose from. So, out of the X Men, which one particular speaks to you? Whether they um, embody some kind of like moral traits or personality quirk that you really admire that either you don't have but you wish you could, or you do have and you're very proud of, or they've done something really heroic and you'd like to, you know, be them for that reason. Like, what what character speaks to you? I have always been a huge Colossus fan. Oh. I think he's very. Um, he's kind of the quiet artist, but he's also very strong and very loyal. And I think he's a, a very cool uh, character. I think they've done some less than uh, wonderful things to him over the years. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But 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 the core the core character that is there, I think, is has always been my favorite go to. Okay, so I would say my advice for a lot of people beginning in cosplay that's the first step to find someone that you would want to embody. So if that's the character you would choose and those are the reasons, those are perfectly fine reasons to be that character and to pick that person. So once you find a character that you want to be, the next step would be to um, figure out your budget um, as far as like if you're going to buy a pre-made costume, which you can Mm -hmm. from either a regular store or you can buy... um, the costume from a commissioner, a cosplay commissioner, a person who makes costumes. And for that, you would send them, like, your measurements, any particular details about the costume. Uh, If you're dealing with a commissioner, I would highly advise, please get a front and back picture of the costume, if possible, and even the side. Like, the more pictures and angles you can send to them of the the costume, the better. So that way they have Mm -hmm. a full idea of, like, what the heck it is they're making. And if you're making your own costume, it's also good to have that for the same exact reason. I know that, generally speaking, um, pictures of the back of any character are highly coveted, rare, like, Pokemon cards, almost. Because (laughs) you, you almost don't ever see the back of a character unless you have the anime and... We, I've done this myself. I have watched the show for that one moment. They turn around and screen caption that shot. So I have <laughs> the detail of the costume. So I, I definitely have that advice also. Now, once you figure out whether you're going to make it yourself or have a commissioner, or if you're lucky, you can get everything done on the store, definitely um, break down the costume almost like a puzzle. Like, okay, head, neck, chest area, arms, legs, feet, like all the small details marked down, almost kind of like you're making like a chart. That way you don't miss any detail. Now, of course, this is depending on like how accurate you want to be. If you want to just be general and not that, you know, um, specific about it, then, you know, you go however you want to do it. You don't have to be perfect. This is all about what you would like to do. 
But if you do want to go in extra, I would say like breaking down that the character concept um, is a great way and also helps you learn more about the character too, because there might be details that you didn't notice um, that you find out as you research the character. So once you do that and you have your breakdown of every piece and puzzle that you would need, then comes the fun aspect of actually finding out where to get that. Because you might be really good at sewing, but you might not that be that really good at sculpting. Here's mm-hmm. another aspect where it's either you can practice and do it yourself, you can watch tutorials online. There's plenty of people who, um, who have cosplay tutorials for various things. Uh, you can also ask a friend, ask a fellow cosplayer, someone that you know that already cosplays. They may be a bastion of knowledge already on like where to go online or where to go within your area where you live to get materials or um, you know they might have a commissioner who could sculpt something for you. There's there's so much within the community. This is why I really like the cosplay community because when it comes down to reaching out and helping other people, like that's where we're supposed to excel at, of being mm-hmm. able to tell people like, oh here go here or go there or don't go to this person because they messed up on the project or you know however the thing works. After you find out where to get all your pieces, like research your fabric, um, I would suggest on the as a side note on the fabric end, find out what time of year you're going to wear your costume. Okay. Yes, I can see that being a very important detail that a lot of people forget. Yeah, I mean, like it's even to the point where people have like a summer version and a winter version of costumes. I find that completely rational. Because mm-hmm. if you're wearing, like, you're going to do someone from one piece and the convention is going to be in an area where there's a lot of glass, so there's not going to be a lot of heat, I would highly suggest that either you make a wintry version of that cosplay or you make sure that it's made out of material that's going to keep you somewhat warm. Mm-hmm. Same thing in the opposite. If the character is usually, you know from a, a general cold climate and they're wearing heavy clothes, try to have the fabric very breathable. That way mm-hmm. you do not sweat and die. Okay. <laughs> Cause I'll tell you, Otakon, Otakon is hot. Anime Expo is hot. You will sweat. You have to make sure that you account for these things. Otherwise you'll pass out from heat exhaustion and not even realize it. Another thing when you're making your, uh, and designing your costume, uh, and this, my best friend constantly reminds me all the time, bathroom the concept of the bathroom you have to keep that in mind no matter how frilly and fluffy you want to make that aerial ball gown think about are you going to drink enough water or are you going to limit (laughs) yourself to some tiny sips because you cannot fit in the bathroom even um and this goes for even for bodysuits too you know like i i really tip tip my hat to the spider-man cosplayers and the power rangers because a lot of that, you know, spandex, zentai, onesies, it's not the easiest to take off. It's not easy to get in and out of, no. Yeah, so <laughs> that's also a, a definite um, concept to keep in mind. And pockets. It's something that, you know, oh, yeah. you, you wouldn't really think is an issue, but when you're at a convention, you're going to have your wallet, your ID, whatever cards, your phone, you know. You have to have something that contains these items, but a lot of times I know people don't really want to have a bulky purse or a bulky um, bag because it might clash with their costume. So a lot of times what my friend will do uh, when I commission costumes from her, she'll make a little pouch either inside the costume. Like when I have my kimonos, I love kimono sleeves for so many reasons. They're gorgeous, right. and you can build a pocket inside very easily. 
So you can do that, or you can make like a little bag out of scrap material from your costume if you have enough left over. So that way it's not going to really clash when you take a picture while you're holding your stuff. It just it becomes part of the, the ensemble. Exactly. So like that's another uh, thing you could possibly do too. Or in the case of my um, Yuko Ichihara from XXXHolic, you could make um, a bag out of a character that's there. Like I have a Mokuna. Mokuna is the, the little bunny from um, the series, and it's actually a backpack. So I was able to find that online, and I just bought the backpack. And so if I have to have anything, I can carry it within that. So there's various ways to get around that that can blend in with your costume. So once you have all of that together, next thing, have your equipment to make your stuff. Um, Sewing machine, definitely scissors, thread, all that good stuff. Um, Hot glue is like a staple (laughs) (laughs) now when you get into other advanced things like for those who want to make armor that's where things go in a little bit um interestingly because the technology has advanced so much in that area of cosplay materials i remember seeing people they're rocking out their best with like cardboard and craft foam and i don't care how advanced we get within cosplay you can always do a banging job with some craft foam and some cardboard. If you have the, the, the right molding to go with it, it's still going to look really nice. So for people who want to do that, I would suggest them starting out with that because the materials are very cheap, easily accessible, and they don't require too much in the way of tools other than just really like a good hot glue gun and you know some extra adhesive, even mm-hmm. string. As you get more advanced into armor making and um, props and things of that nature, we do have stuff called Warblaw. We we had Wonder Wonderflex and Foam Shape were like the beginnings, and then now we have Warblaw. We have it comes in various um, mold, uh, moldable uh, in viscosity. Like uh, you can have the stiff regular tan Warblaw. You have the Warblaw Fine Arts, which is kind of like a friendly plastic kind of material that's kind of creamy white. You have Black Warbler now, which is like the mother of all Warbler because it has properties of both blended into oh, wow. one. And it, plus it makes it very easy to paint because since it has the black tint to it, you don't have to worry too much about a primer. Um, but you can still anyway. And it's very smooth, too. So, like, you don't have to use that much gesso to, like, buff it smooth and then paint. It's it's wonderful. So Now, it seems to be, it, it seems <clears throat> to be that a big culture has... Uh, uh, an industry has kind of risen up around cosplay mm-hmm. with creating all of these materials for people to use. It's it's kind of amazing to me that there are so many options and, and how creative people are with these materials that they can go out and make these amazing things <laughs> out of everything from, like you said, cardboard to, to these materials that are very much made for, I, I think, with this market in mind. Yeah, it's, it has... I mean, you have people who they are blessed with the ability to be able to just have a career making props or making costumes. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the skills that they've learned and used are the same skills that you would have for people who are like mainstream um, makeup artists, mainstream costume designers, like all of these go hand in hand. And if you're sculpting statues and things of that nature, like those all have roots. Like the, the, This is what I really love about cosplay because the skills that you learn, you can apply to other things in life. Yeah. Yeah, I have... Um, I'm a drama teacher, a high school drama teacher. Oh, wow. And uh, uh, 
last year our costume the the student who do all our costumes graduated and she was more of a, a hunter gatherer <laughs> she would go out and find things and rent things and organize things and she was very good at that but that left me you know once you graduated I, I had an opening and and so I always asked the kids you know do you know anybody who likes to sew who likes to do costumes and they were like oh so and so is a cosplayer and <laughs> and you have to get her to do your stuff and um, we're doing a a new uh, New Jersey version of Midsummer Night's Dream as our show this year. It's called Midsummer Jersey. And I went up to her and I said, I hear you cosplay. I need fairies. And her, her eyes just lit up and she was like, I will get you fairies. <laughs> That's wonderful. Yeah. So um, so it's kind of, I've I've been a big proponent of getting kids to do things that they like, but be able to apply them mm-hmm. to things at school because then they get to really shine around their peers that look what I did. Something that they could, that they might be doing at a, a convention on their own that we never get to see because, you know, we're not there. You know, they don't necessarily tell us about it. Now yeah. they get a chance to kind of do their art and their craft at schools for everybody to kind of look at and, and admire. That's wonderful. And I, I'm sure that <clears throat> for anyone within her um, her grade, if they didn't know that she was a cosplayer, if they didn't know what cosplay was, introducing uh, them to that in that manner, if they would think that, oh, cosplay is this weird, nerdy, geeky thing, having it introduced to them in such a style uh, as, like, you know, the practical uses of cosplay costumes on stage, that probably would uh, give them a more positive look on it than Yeah, normal. absolutely. Because I, I remember back in the day when I would tell people I'm a cosplayer, and they'd be like, you're a what? what's that? You're a clown? Like, and they just couldn't, they couldn't wrap their head around like wearing a costume when it wasn't Halloween. So right. that's, that's an excellent opportunity to show and translate what cosplay is. Uh, one of the things I want to talk to you about is, is your personal cosplay because uh, you, you've got some, from the pictures that I've seen, the stuff that was in the, the documentary, um, you have very diverse taste in what you like to, it seems like you have a very diverse taste in what you like to do and put out there. Do you have kind of favorite ways to cosplay, favorite things you like to do when you choose an outfit or a character? Um, yeah, I usually, I, I don't stick to one kind of character. I, I kind of go all over the place. So, um, like some of my characters will be heroes. Most of them are usually villains, simply just because I, I'm into fashion, and a lot of the villains have like the best outfits. So I can't mm-hmm. I can't blame them for being villains because they look fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> well, plus it's always more fun to play the villain, right? It you know it generally is like villains and antiheroes to me. I had done a post about this a few weeks back. I I relate to them more as an adult than I did as a kid. Because as a mm-hmm. kid, the concept of coming in and sweeping in with a cape and saving the day, like, yeah, that sounds great. But then as you become an adult, you realize that, like, not everything is cut and dry like that. So it's like, okay, right. I start to, you know, empathize with the characters and their dilemmas and their passions. And some of them, a lot of them tend to be even more passionate about the hero mm-hmm. than the heroes are, you know. Um, Poison Ivy is a perfect example of that because she's trying to save Mother Earth all the time, no matter who right. gets in her way. <laughs> But um, a lot of times with the outfits and who I choose to pick, I like characters that embody um, aspects that either I see within myself or I would like to see within myself. So Mm -hmm. a lot of them are very pro-female, strong characters, whether they are good or bad um, or simply misunderstood. A lot of them have very eccentric styles of fashion because 
I look at my cosplay almost like a Sudoku puzzle, like a or a jigsaw puzzle. It's a challenge to me, and I, mm-hmm. I break the the puzzle apart and I want to put it together. That's why, like, a lot of my um, makeup artist background comes in handy because when I'm doing various special effects for a lot of my characters that have prosthetics, I, I really get into it because of that aspect. I'm like, ooh, how can I do this on a budget? I want to make this mm-hmm. happen. And then as you go through it, you know, um, you learn things for, for the next character or you pick up pieces that work for another character. I'll be in the middle of making one character and I'll do something, or, or I'll see something. It might not come out the way I need it, but I'll think, oh, this could fit for something else. So I'll put that aside and then continue working on. So, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of my characters um, come from, I think I have more DC villains than I do heroes. I think I might have, like, one DC hero, mostly DC villains. I know I have, like, just about all the gothic sirens, except for Harley right now. Uh-huh. And um, I do a lot of uh, mythological characters. I love mythology. That is definitely another one of those geeky areas, the fandom areas. So mm-hmm. since I'm such, I'm, I'm a big history buff normally, I don't consider that to be like a geek thing. I think like everyone should just know history. But, yes, um, absolutely. I like to delve into the mythology, <clears throat> and a lot of it can be from Egyptian mythology. I have like a Cleopatra Gorgon idea that's one of my favorites, and I have the Greek Gorgon, um, Medusa's sister, Thanos, I did her as well. So that was a, a really fun time. And I've also delved into, like, the Japanese um, folklore, also with a lot of my cosplay. Then I did my own characters. So with those, I have even more fun, because I get to make a story along with it. Because now, every time I do an original character, someone's always like, oh, well, is this from such and such? No, it's my own character. Oh, what's her story? I didn't go into making original characters thinking that I had to have a backstory, but... Now I've accepted the fact that apparently I need to, so I'm mm-hmm. legitimately creating a short story behind every original character that I do. Just by default. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. That's very neat. That's very cool. Um, speaking a little bit about cost, because you did talk about budget, um, I think a lot of people, when they look at cosplay and it's something that they want to get into, they do feel like it's a little bit cost prohibitive at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, do do you have any tips for people that are just starting out to keep the, the budget down a little bit or um, to find alternative ways of, of doing cosplay that might not necessarily cost a whole lot? Yeah, um, there's plenty, actually. This is where I, like, I tell people, like, listen, it doesn't matter if you don't have the big, bright, flashy, shiny, light armor pieces. That's not a problem. Everybody starts off somewhere. You can do that cardboard and craft foam as your basis mm-hmm. if you want to do armor cosplay. You can do um, paper clay, sculpts. You know, there are a lot of products, and I will, I'll push Michael's and Joanne's fabrics because they're like the mecca <laughs> for most crafters. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, like you can go to these places or go to your local craft store, your local art supply. I wish Pearl Paint did not close down all of their darn stores because they were also such a bastion of crafting supplies for, like, mm-hmm. decent prices usually. But, yeah, like, um, and I'd say for kids who have, like, an art teacher in school, they can ask them, too, like, hey, where do you buy the supplies for the school? Or, like, where's, like, the nearest art store? Go to people who you know usually would have paid or stuff like that and ask them, where do they go to get their supplies? Because those places also have great stuff for cosplay. Because... When you're when you're making a costume, you're using anything, uh, right. literally. And even if you don't have the budget to go out and buy stuff, you can still 
cosplay. I know a lot of people don't think that that's possible, but you have your clothes, you have accessories at home. Um, they have this thing that came out recently that was called closet cosplay. And it was a challenge to make up a cosplay of a character from all the stuff you already have at home. And my friend, uh, my friend Carl, we came up with this concept of like incognito cosplay because a lot of times if you buy your clothes from conventions, which is literally like what I do, like I don't have clothes from regular stores, <laughs> you wind up usually wearing something reminiscent of a character. And mm-hmm. it could be easily from like the Superboy black and red S and some blue jeans. Guess what? That's what he wears, actually. That's a cosplay outfit. It's yeah. a cosplay and it's incognito because you can go outside and no one knows you're in a costume. So you can definitely do those particular things to keep your budget realistic for, you know, whatever your, your income levels are. I know for a lot of young kids, like they would love to have all the fancy schmancy stuff, but the parents are like, are you insane? So this is a way for them to get into it. And, you know, anybody else who doesn't really have that extra cash to go into the really fancy stuff right away. I would say definitely as a beginner cosplayer, whether adult or child, do the basics first so you get a feel for the costume design and the concepts. And that way you don't feel like you're overwhelmed. And I think price-wise and the feeling of being just overwhelmed with expectation is a lot of what intimidates a lot of people about cosplay. So, like, it's it's not that scary. The hot glue gun is your best friend. You know, you can buy glue for cheap usually and order stuff <laughs> online. You know, Amazon's a great resource too. So there's a lot of a lot of stuff out there for people to not, like, have to choose between paying their rents or getting that costume. Right, right. Well, and when you order from Amazon, not only are you getting the um... – the product that you ordered, but you're getting all that nice cardboard exactly. that you can like, turn around into uh, into armor. I have a lot of cardboard hanging around. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know you you talked about closet closet uh, cosplay. Um, I had a student last year, I think it was, who did uh, Disney bounding. Is that what it's called? Where she would wear just regular day. Um, regular everyday outfits, Mm -hmm. but they were very reminiscent or based on either by color scheme or style of a Disney princess or a character from a Disney movie. Oh, okay, yeah. And so you would have to kind of look at her and say, you're Ariel today, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and it was just, and she was just wearing kind of, you know, teal uh, pants and kind of a fun pink uh top mm-hmm. and it was like it was just enough that it hinted at the character but it wasn't you know full cosplay exactly that definitely could also go into closet cosplay very easily too yeah, yeah. Well, very cool um now one of the things you talk a lot about is about cosplaying regardless of your um body type or your ethnicity um can you talk to me a little bit more about that and about the things that you've encountered by you know, in that area, because I know that's a, a big problem that a lot of cosplayers are running into and that sometimes will go so far as to prevent people from getting into it. Yeah, no problem. Um, this is actually a lot of what my, actually what the entire video that I had done for uh, Bustle was about, uh, being a body positive cosplayer of color. So I just kind of want to break down like what that means because I know a lot of people, they may not understand the term on either one, like body positive or cosplayer of color. Um, mm-hmm. 
it's made to be a general statement because it encompasses everybody. Body positive does not mean I'm just speaking for people who are quote unquote considered plus size or that, you know, that have that label. I'm talking about everybody. You can be whatever size you want. You can be a square, you could be a rectangle, a triangle. <laughs> it does not matter. Like be proud of who you are. Like there's, there's no reason why within the uh, community that was once ostracized by mainstream society and mainstream standards of what is beautiful and what is correct, that we should take in and adapt those, you know, um, self-imposed unnecessary standards within mm-hmm. our community. And I feel that that's a big part of what happened when cosplay became mainstream due to TV shows, you know, um, and how certain, I'll say, popular personas within the community um, have stated things or treated people a certain way or made certain posts online to give a feel that if you don't look like or you are not a certain whatever, that you are less of a person and that you don't have the right to express yourself creatively because that is what cosplay is. It's literally expressing yourself and your creativity. Just like mm-hmm. a Star Trek or Trekkie expresses their fandom in a number of ways. They may not cosplay Spock, but if they want to rock a, a, a Spock shirt, then that's what they're doing, you know, like, or having a statue. It's expressing yourself in that manner. So when people attack people with the body shaming aspect, for one, uh, I think they, they tend to forget that that cosplayer is a person, first and foremost. Right. And because, and I'll say, you know, I know it goes for global, but for here in America specifically, the ideals of what is beautiful um, is highly whitewashed because mm-hmm. there's this real issue of that if you have dark skin, and, and even the simple concept of like, what is dark, period. Right. And from my own personal experience, um, there's this real big stigma and uncertainty because if I'm in one room, then people will assume that I'm of a certain ethnicity and that my skin can be considered very, very light. If I'm mm-hmm. sitting next to someone who's like, you know, of, of a, would be considered a chocolate or dark chocolate complexion. Now that same person, if they're in another room, they also could be considered very light depending on who they're standing next to. But right. at the end of the day, it seems that any person that has, any quote color like and color is just melanin in your skin it's our natural sunscreen but for some reason as as humans we have put these uh self-imposed social constructs of what is appropriate what is necessary or what is good or bad based on the amount of melanin in someone's skin or their ethnic um origin and it makes no sense it makes no sense in anything whether it be cosplay or business or just society in general so when you have generations of kids growing up with this, it starts to bleed into other areas. And unfortunately, cosplay has been one of them. So, you know, my advice to people who are, I would consider the more popular personas, I really wish that they would address these issues. Because a lot of times when folks talk about them, like I said earlier, the racist meme of the women who were dressed up as the Dragon Ball Z characters, there was no reason for that to even exist. And the person who did it had a lot of self-hate for just humans right. in general, besides people of color. And that needs to be addressed. Like, don't put someone down because of your own insecurities, because they're doing something that you don't have the guts to do. And they do it extremely well. 
They can even do it extremely crappy. It doesn't matter. They're doing it. They have the courage. It's to be commended and respected and admired. And this mm-hmm. goes for race, this ethnicity. It goes for um, body type, too. Like, that's why I did it about both of those things, because I, I experienced harassment on both levels for both of those things. And we're not even going to get into, like, the misogyny <laughs> aspect right. yet, because that's a whole nother thing, um, as well as, like, the whole issues with, like, cross-dressing and cross-play and transphobia. Like, all of these things can easily just be put together in one bubble, and it's called respect your fellow human being, point yes. blank. And if people could just do that and not promote the um the trolling online like i i understand that for some people when they have issues they feel that making someone feel lower than them is supposed to make them feel better but Mm -hmm. truth be told for folks like it doesn't make you feel better it's it's kind of like taking a hit of sugar it'll give you a rush for like half a second but then after that wears off you're back to being the same like person and if you're a nasty Mm -hmm. mean person then that means you're a nasty mean troll. Uh, it's not going to change your day if you hate on someone or not. Like you need to change your life to make you happy. And that's the mm-hmm. only way you're ever going to achieve true happiness. So my video was really like sharing with people um, the fact that I've been harassed online. I've been turned into a racist meme. Um, <clears throat> there was a website that, that, that basically was a hate blog about cosplayers and they were comparing um, highly Photoshopped, pictures of various cosplayers next to candid shots or shots of people in Halloween costumes, not even cosplayers, like random people in a Halloween costume and saying like best versus worst. And from my experience, they use my poison Ivy costume. Now I had received online harassment for my poison Ivy cosplay. It's my burlesque poison Ivy from Mm -hmm. commenters on the wizard world Philadelphia website back in 2012 and oh, wow. they were very racist comments. I'm not even going to repeat them because no one needs to even hear that stuff. But I addressed it to Wizard World Facebook and they removed those comments, fortunately. Now, this year, in August, I got turned into uh, the racist meme via that cosplay blog stating that I was resonating Poison Ivy, quote, straight out of Compton. And for people Ugh. who may not understand why that is racist, Compton is an area of California that the media and through history has been quoted the, you know, like, quote, ghetto area of California. And for some reason, mainstream media has equated ghetto with being, quote, of color or uh, black. And it's Mm -hmm. not. You can be ghetto of any creed, color, race, religion. All right. (laughs) So, um, you know, the redneck stereotype, guess what? That's being ghetto. So people don't seem to understand that. And, you know, they were asking me, well, how is it racist? I'm like, are are you kidding me? So I've had to spend a lot of time just educating people on what is and isn't appropriate and what is and isn't racist, because a lot of people see things in mainstream media and they think that it's acceptable. And a lot of it is not. A lot of stuff in TV, a lot of the caricatures and lack of diversity and lack of positive characters of color this is this is why, you know, the world is so messed up right now as far as how they view people just on that standard. Like, there's way more going on. But on the concept of, like, beauty and being a makeup artist myself, um, I'll, I'll tell you that the cosmetology industry, the, the, the cosmetic industry specifically, they have a lot of work to do for diversity. Because if you're a woman of color and you're looking for makeup, you will have to spend quite a bit of time to find a shade that matches you. If yeah. you have less to no melanin in your skin, you can find makeup anywhere. 
Right. And I and I specifically say melanin because people all over the world from all cultures come in all shades. And that's another thing folks need to understand because a lot of people look at me and they assume what my ethnicity is and they're always wrong. Always wrong. I am of mixed descent. I am Asian American. I am proud of all the different cultures that my family is made up of and I represent them all. So when people want to hate on me on YouTube and they're like, oh, well, I don't find black women attractive. And it's like, wow, you were racist, misogynistic, and ignorant all at the same time. First of all, I commend you for your multitasking. But second of all, you're a complete and utter jerk. So, like, it's, it, you know, you get hit with that on various levels. And that's just as a cosplayer, you know. And, and on my regular day, like, it affects me because I'm a woman of color no matter what, whether I'm in a costume or if I'm out, I'm a plus size as far as like mainstream fashion considers, whether I'm in cosplay or not. So these are all mm -hmm. concepts that affect people, even when you're not doing something that you really like. So I think people need to understand that also that, you know, a person who doesn't fit the American whitewashed standard of beauty faces issues when they're not even bothering you. So if they're at a convention, we come there to have fun. We're not coming there to deal with the regular BS that we have to on a regular day to day. So respect that also and be, you know, be polite. If you don't find me attractive, I'm not here to date you nor impress you anyway. Like nobody is. Right. So you can keep your negative comments to yourself where they belong and just say hi or don't even say anything to me if you don't want to. Yeah, just keep walking. <laughs> yeah, keep walking. Another thing I would really like for, for folks to do, specifically photographers, I'm going to shout this out. Cosplay photographers should seriously diversify their portfolio because I understand people want hits and clicks in their cosplay music videos, but I'm going to say it right now. You guys have to start representing the cosplay community as a whole. I know the Q cosplayer and the tiny bikini is going to get you like, you know, you think it's going to give you those 500 hits, but people are looking to you guys as examples of cosplay. Whether you want to be a role model or not, when you become a popular person, you get put into that position and you have to keep it in mind and act accordingly. The cosplay photographers, um, I put you in those same positions because people look at your work. You want them to look at your work. You want it to be mm -hmm. included in the cosplay community. So you need to start showing the cosplay community, not just what you feel is the standard whitewashed stereotype of cosplayers, because that helps promote the negativity towards everyone who doesn't look like what that standard is. And I know folks are like, well, I'm a photographer. I'm going to take pictures of what I want. But you have to also understand that your work represents the community, but it should start reflecting that too. There are plenty of cosplayers of color and cosplayers of various sizes that look phenomenal in their costumes. It is not hard to find them. All you have to do is bother to look. You need, if you need advice on who, ask me. I will gladly tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I love talking about all my new friends, new and old people across the sea, everywhere that are wonderful folks and wonderful cosplayers. It is, it is truly, there's a, a there's diamonds everywhere. You just have to look. <laughs> right. Well, and that's, I mean, it's, it's wrong on so many levels, you know, slight any, any person for any reason. But when you tell me that, you know, you're, you're getting, you know, flack for, for posting things like uh, your Poison Ivy picture and people are, are looking at that picture and making negative comments about it, it's kind of like, it's wrong on 
all areas, but then you're missing out on top of everything. It is a beautiful piece of art that you've created mm-hmm. there. And that completely gets lost in all of it. Even if you cannot appreciate in your ignorance what this person is doing, do you not see the talent? Do you not? Does that not ex- inspire you in some way? It just it boggles my mind that people can't look past their own issues and their own insecurities. Exactly. Like and see the beauty that is there. It's just ridiculous mm-hmm. to me. I try very much to be a, a positive voice in the community. I know. I hope. I hope I have some success with that. You're obviously, you know, being very, um, very positive in the community and and very active about going out and changing people's points of view. How about people who are just getting into this, this community and and do feel this way and and do want to start making changes? Do you have suggestions for them on how to, how to kind of get their voice out there and? and fight back a little bit against the negativity. Yeah, absolutely. Um, First off, like I said before, on the cosplay photographers and the cosplay videographers, and the cosplay, the folks who do the cosplay magazines, any person within the cosplay community that has any access to any media source that they use to talk about cosplay, start talking about cosplayers of color. They don't have to just be from America. They can be from all over the world because they are. We are everywhere. Start talking about cosplayers of various body types. They are everywhere. (laughs) We exist. If you do that, whether you're a photographer, videographer, have a magazine, um, write articles online, you know, have a YouTube channel. If people see that there are people of various types and ethnicities that cosplay, then it becomes less less rational for them to Mm -hmm. hate. Because they feel that they can, because they don't see it as a normal thing. Right now, if you Google cosplayers of color, you're not going to have as many people pop up. Right. There was even a forum um, where they had asked, you know, are there any people of color cosplayers that are as popular as Yaya Han and Jessica Negri? And the thread went crazy because... A lot of people were having a very difficult time. They were naming a few. And then as people, you know, my friends came in, we were like, oh, you need names? Oh, we'll give you names. And we just flooded the the comment section with references of people, you know, some that were kind of common names within the, the, the mini community, within the community, and others a lot of people did not know. So, you know, on that end, definitely use what access you have um, to the public to promote and show that people are out there. The diversity is there. Also for photographers, I would say that, you know, like I said, I know you want to make revenue in your clicks, but at a certain point in time, you have to think about if you're doing this to help promote the community or if you're doing this just to make money. And even if you are, there are plenty of people of color cosplayers who look sexy, who are gorgeous. Like you don't have to change your quote unquote, whatever standard, like I want to make it so it's more risque. I'm not really about that, but I understand, you know, the Sailor Moon um, cosplay bikinis and stuff. Like, everybody has mm-hmm. their stuff what they want. But there are a lot of uh, people of color cosplayers who cosplay that type of stuff, and they're gorgeous. So you don't even have to kind of change what artistic direction you're going in. Just diversify your models. You could have someone who would be considered, you know, chubby and looks good in that kind of cosplay, too. There are plenty of us. You know, you just have to go out there, accept it, and do it. Not say you're going to do it, 
and then never do it or only put up two people within, you know, a, a one to five year span and consider yourself someone that's contributing. I see a lot of folks who do that and then they want to talk and be an advocate on issues, but it's like practice what you preach first and mm-hmm. then you'll win the support of the community because, you know, I, I hate to say the word win, but then you'll, you will gain the support of the community and they will back you in what things that you want to do and that will help in, improve your reputation. And for people who are popular, I think what happens is they feel that, well, I'm popular, so I don't need to do anything. Actually, if you want to be taken as a legitimate person at the end of the day, you, you kind of do have to do something because everybody loves to talk about stuff, but no one likes to actually put in the work and dedicate right. themselves well, to it. And, and if you start getting popular, it, it becomes it becomes a responsibility. Yes. You know, I'm I'm sorry. I'm very much of the opinion that that we are on this planet to do good at some point, mm-hmm. you know, and so you've got to find your area that you are able to influence. And when you get that influence, you need to use it for positive things. Exactly. That's, that's kind of my thing. And on the idea of of people who are afraid to diversify their portfolios and that kind of thing, it's like we were just talking earlier about Marvel versus DC. Mm-hmm. And Marvel's doing really well by showing that, you know, we can be diverse and we can tell these stories. And, and that's what you're doing as a photographer. You're telling stories. Yeah. You know, and and so you know there are going to I I like to think being the the, the optimist that I try to be <laughs> that it's going to you know at some point the artists that are more diverse and that do recognize that this is a thing are going to start passing the ones that are unwilling to change exactly. and hopefully that you know maybe us as consumers can start you know again speaking with our our wallets and and supporting those that we find are being more diverse. And that would be my advice towards the people who are the cosplayers or the attendees at conventions. Like, speak with your wallet, speak with your likes, speak with, you know, your comments and your posts. If you see someone and it's like, oh, wow, you guys do really great stuff. I wish I could see such and such, you know, here at the convention or a panel talking about diversity or a panel talking about, you know, um, gender issues within comics, like things of that nature. Like, I... I was fortunate to be on a panel um, last year for New York Comic Con with the Women in Comics International Group, and it was a, a real great honor to be able to be a New York Comic Con, which is a convention I love, and also be able mm-hmm. to educate people and inform people on issues that common are not really commonly spoken about until lately. So, and we had a packed house, so I was really that that was really touching and heartwarming for me to be able to see so many people interested in the same issues that I have. So it's people are out there. Folks may not think that, you know, oh, well, no one's really going to come to this particular panel. No, people will. You just have to have it. Just like um, to quote Viola Davis, like it, you, you can't receive awards. You can't have opportunities if they're not there, if, if they're right. not promoted. So you have to create them. So I think that's a lot where the, the responsibility lies for, for people who are fans of cosplay you know, go out there and support that cosplayer. You know, you don't have to do it just because, well, because they come from this country or whatever, but do it because they're good at it. Right. You know, the fact that they're, the, whatever their ethnicity is shouldn't matter, but I think that's a big issue. Like, people want to like the standard, and you have to make it known that there should be no standard. It's just cosplay. So like that person, support that person. Because all that's going to do is, is come back to you. You know, you might make a new friend, find out new things. There's no, there's no negative part about it. Like, 
you know? <laughs> so I don't understand why it's so hard for people to just do it. Like, you, you're, you're only going to get good things out of it, it's, and it's free. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Well, very good. Well, thank you so much for, for talking to us about cosplay and, and about the issues that are surrounding it. And, and hopefully we can, you know, get this episode passed around and, and get people to start thinking about it in a different way and, mm-hmm. and expanding the community's mind a little bit. Well, thank you for having me. And it's been a pleasure and an honor to, to speak on your, your show. This is, this has been great. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Um, do you have any shout outs for uh, people this this week that anybody would like to mention or just say hi to? Yes, I would love to. Let me run down my list. Okay. I'd like to give a shout out to Little Heaven Faye, awesome cosplayer and costumer. She's a great girl. Um, she's one of my commissioners. Like, she's my main commissioner, actually. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Perfect in every way. Lexi Momo. She is the online shopping uh, closet cosplay guru. She's wonderful in everything that she does. Brooklyn Pepper, she is the spice of my life. She's also a great cosplayer and friend of mine. Ivy Doom Kitty, wonderful person, wonderful, inspirational, um, like, popular person in my life. Uh, she's given me words of encouragement that I, I still keep to this day. Fab Studios, check her out if you do not know this woman. You need to know to enrich your life, whether you like cosplay or sculpting or anything. She turns anything into anything. She's amazing. Arachnoid <laughs> 3, for those who are candy capable and those who are not handy capable, people in general just need to know this man. He's going to go fund me right now. Um, check him out. Support his cause. He has helped this country in so many ways, and he's a great person, and his cosplays are amazing. Deverence, same thing, great cosplayer, prop maker, cos, uh, com- commissioner. Tony Ray, wonderful fellow advocate for humanity's sake and everything that's awesome. He's a great person. I love him dearly. Uh, shout out to my friend and hairstylist, Ayumi and Patricia Fields. I love this woman. She is family to me. Shout out to Bustle.com. You guys have changed my life for the better. I love you all. Thank you so much, Bianca and um, uh, Lou. Shout out to NY Japion Magazine, Mr. Nakamura, and Masako. You guys have also changed my life for the better, and I'm so happy to work with everybody. And I just want to say, like, cosplay is for everyone. Live long in cosplay. Live, laugh, love in cosplay. Do you, and you will make the world a better place. Well, thank you for that. <laughs> Do you have anything uh, uh, exciting coming up this week that you're going to be doing? I am going to be preparing for Thanksgiving, <laughs> and I'm going to be uh, taking my nail cosmetology uh, final for nails. So I will hopefully <laughs> be passing, and um, after that, I'll be doing more stuff with hair. So I'm really excited about that this week. So, yes, kids, stay in school and study what you love. <laughs> well, good luck to you on that. That's that's very exciting. A couple of shout-outs on my end. Um, I would like to... Uh, Send a shout out to uh, Juice Jones. He was on my show last week, and um, he's uh, one of the people from Hearthcore Podcast. I'm going to be recording on his show this afternoon, so very much looking forward to that. And then uh, another shout out to my husband this week because he has been exceedingly uh, patient with me and um, very supportive of the fact that I am taking up a good portion of my of our Sunday with podcasting. Uh, so little shout outs there. Next week, uh, we're going to be talking to David Gallagher about the classic Marvel RPG that was released by TSR back in the 80s. Ooh. 
So that's going to be a lot of fun. And he's also one of the writers for um, the Last Boy comic book. Oh. So that should be a very fun uh, fun episode, and that's coming up this week. Awesome. All the music in this episode is by Ben Sound and is being used under a Creative Commons license. You can find more music by Ben Sound at www.bensound.com. You can currently find us at geektitude.com. If you would like to contact me, you can send me an email at joehogan at geektitude.com. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Geektitude or me personally at Epic Grays. Geisha V, how can we find you? Okay, you can find me on my website, geishav.com. You can also find me via Facebook, facebook.com slash cosplay. You can find me on Twitter at Goddess Geisha. You can follow me on Tumblr, Goddess Geisha V, and YouTube also Geisha V. For those who don't know how to spell my name, my name is spelled G-E-I-S-H-A-V-I. The V stands for my first, the first two letters of my birth name. (laughs) (laughs) So it's not the number six, it's V. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you again so much for, um, for being here today. I do encourage everybody to go check out your stuff. You've been posting some really, um, thought provoking stuff on Facebook and, and your pictures are all just absolutely phenomenal. And, um, just thank you for being such a, a positive, uh, influence on the community. We, (laughs) We really appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate everyone who's given love and support and just been positive, awesome people. Even if you don't know me, if you're a positive person, then I consider you a friend already. So if you like my stuff, feel free to write. I write back. And yeah, just be awesome. Perfect. All right. Well, that takes care of us for this week. And for all of you out there, remember this week, keep it geek. (laughs) Bye-bye.